Yes, hello, welcome along to another edition of the Irish F1 show, once again in association with PFT Travel and Rapco, uh, PFT Travel, arriving style, MJ Farrell, the man to contact, MJ Farrell, no stranger to, Mandela Park and racing circuits up and down the country, she's very good to us with the, with the podcast this year, so we thank them at PFT Travel for their continued support, uh, P Farrell Transport Limited on Facebook, check them out. Uh, Rapco have been very, very good to us as well with stickers. And uh, I think there's a sign on the way somewhere. Might be might be lost in transit, but it's definitely due to arrive at some point, and it will replace this uh, backdrop, which for some reason looks a little bit sideways. Now I'm no DIY expert, but uh, that that's not really looking great, and it's not really reflecting well on me and my capabilities in DIY, which would be limited enough anyway. I'm looking up at a blind that fell down on me here about three times last week, but uh, it's still standing as the Elton John song goes right now, so we won't tempt fate. We'll bring in the bios, Richie Carney. How are you keeping, sir? How's it going, Kev? Sorry I missed last week. Good to be back. No problem. No problem. Listen, fully, fully understandable reasoning. We're going to bring in this now. We have a roving reporter this week. A roving reporter. Barry Rabbit, did you end up overseas courtesy of PFT Travel, did you? Negative. He cannot hear us. Ah, he cannot hear us. Damn. Right. We're going to have to try to adjust that. The Literally no volume coming to Barry. But Rich, you can hear me all right, yeah? Yeah, I can hear you fine, Kev. Yeah, 100%. Okay. All right. I just want to pop Barry backstage for uh, for a moment, and we'll just see can we fix that one. Uh, Richie, I'll, I'll just ask firstly, um, what way what way are you? Um, in a bit of a shunt. We were trying to, I suppose, describe it um, on the last episode in your absence, but uh, maybe maybe you'll sum it up for us. It was one of those unfortunate ones. Yeah, bit of an accident in Kirkistown two weekends ago. Um, actually, a bit of a test weekend for me. Luckily enough, I was up. Um, trying to test and develop a Formula Ford for Robbie Parks. Um, more of a learning weekend for both me, yeah, Robbie, Takao, we're just trying to see what, basically, how quick we could get this old 94 Swift to go. And um, got on reasonably well, qualified well, and made a cracker of a start to race one. Went from 11th to 5th or 6th, and unfortunately, um, the guy that qualified fourth on the grid, he broke a drive shaft as the lights went out. Nothing he could do. He was just sitting there hoping no one ran into the back of him. And, of course, I did. Yeah. It happens, of course, but it's never nice when it does. No, no. Not nice. Um, bad experience. The car is not a write-off, but not a million miles away from it. Ah, we'll get it fixed up. We'll be opening it again. Um, a few waves and pains myself. A couple of days off work, lying on the couch, feet up and things. But ah, hopefully now... Things is looking good. I should be fit enough, should be well enough to go race next weekend in my own Farmer Shane Championship and hopefully wrap it up there on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knowing you, Richie, those last few days, they are raw. Because you're high energy, you're all go by, and it's not nice when you can't do a whole lot, is it? No, I'm not one not one for sitting or lying around, Kev. Hands, I have to be doing something. I always have to be at something or other. It's been, this, it's been extremely hard to try lie there and recover and try to get better and feed myself with tablets and things. But listen, the weekend coming has been a big motivator to me. You know, I have a chance of winning the Formula Shane Championship for a second time. And um, that sort of motivation sort of kept me grounded and, and kept me in a recovery position. So I just hope to jazz a piss off now on Saturday. Yeah, jazz, we, we all do. I hope to jazz very rabbit has sound now this time. Barry, can you hear us? <laughs> I can indeed. Sorry, lads. Did I now uh, control all the lead there and we're back? You're all right. You're all right. Uh, is Ferrari in charge of your um, sound, no? 
<laughs> are they engineer? Are they engineering you out there? Yeah, um, yeah, they get, they get they've three out of four bits of it right, yeah. Yeah, that was a bit cheating now with me. But anyway, we were just talking to, to Richie there, and obviously we're, we were wishing him the very best. Um, Not just with the recovery, but the madman is, is back out this weekend already. Can't give a good man down and chance of That's wrapping it. up in a, an old championship there. So, Yeah, I'd yeah. say once he, can fit the, once he can fit that kind of temporary cast into the car, he'll be fine, I think. No, Richie. They get it in. Nah, we haven't started. Yeah, we we haven't started. And either, if, either, if it didn't fit, the angle, or, the angle grinder was coming out, I'd say, the <laughs> <chassis>. <laughs> it was fitting one way. I happen to know a few good engineers, luckily enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, bother dear yeah. Richie, you'll do it, man. You'll do it. So what, what, what is the crack then with the weekend, Richie, uh, before we go into the F1 side of things? Uh, you're in a pretty good position, obviously. You're hoping to wrap up the championship. Last time, um, I suppose, previous to, to this podcast, and we were talking in a, an interview environment, uh, you had done just that, I think. Um, hopefully, it's a good omen. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I think I have something like an 11 or 12 point lead when everything drop rounds, everything is taken into account. So, effectively, the guy that's second, I can just finish behind him in both races, basically. And even I think if I finish right behind him in the first race, that should nearly do me. Um, obviously, There's with the no situation way. the way it is. No, no, my dad keeps telling me all week, like, you know, you, you don't have to put it on pole now, you know, you can just go out and, you know, toot around and, and just get it on the grid, and, and I'm looking like, um, yeah. yeah, I'm telling myself I'm going to go out and go easy, but sure, you know yourself, Barry, that's all happened. Not a hope of that happening, Richie, not a hope, we're going to start breaking early and short shifting, and no, you're going to go for it. That's generally when something goes wrong anyway, when you're not at 10 tenths, something goes wrong generally. Yep, yep, give it everything, you'll be grand. You won't feel the pain either that way. <laughs> I won't feel it afterward anyway if it goes my way. <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah. You could you could be flying out to wherever Barry is at the moment. I don't want to disclose any details there, but maybe PFT traveling organized that one as well. I'm in Navin, lads, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hill of Tara is he's up at the hill. <laughs> Jenny Mac. Yeah, it must be new grange today. The light is shining in. Um, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so look, what's the what's the crack then, lads? Uh, you would have saw a lot more of this than I have. Um, I'll be straight with you. Um, I'm still under recovery from electric picnic, which wasn't too shabby. Unfortunately, as we were talking about, my worst fears were realised when they didn't have any screen with any anything to do with with the F1. Um, and funnily enough, I won't name names, but I do know someone who is involved with uh, with with Heineken, and there is parameters, I believe, and I'm kind of told this off-ish the record, but we'll give an on-ish record account of it as well. There's different laws and labels, of course, like trophy and everything in Ireland for the marketing side of things where a beer company, I think, can actually go on there. And there's, there's certain things, there's loopholes anyway, or there's not loopholes, there's red tape and there's all those things that has, that has to be sorted out. Um, that's That's... The, the crack with, with, with Heineken. Why there was no screen there, I don't know. That's maybe not Heineken's problem. But <laughs> they did have they did have plenty of beer, they did have plenty of stands. Um, they promoted the shit out of it. But unfortunately, all I've saw is the highlights. Um, this is great sitting down to do an F1 show. The court, the, the host of it hasn't sit down, sat down and watched the whole race. <laughs> Thankfully, you have. Um, we'll fill that's, the why, gaps. that's why you're getting paid the big bucks. That's why Barry's out foreign receipt the moment, sir. That's why Barry's out <laughs> foreign. Um, and listen, I'll join the side. Um, what is the lowdown? I've been getting some bits and bobs. I know there's another Ferrari holder again. Um, another another tip or two along the way. Great save by Magnussen, which I saw in, in the highlights. Well, it looked like a great save. 
Um, a couple of a couple of nice overtakes. Um, but I'll let you guys take up the slack from here for for the start, anyway. Well, there wasn't a whole lot happening to start with. Like it was looking like it's one of those F one races where you're kind of going, "Geez, there's not much happening here." You know, like Verstappen's fastest, he's pretty much leading the way. Yeah, it looked like Mercedes might have a bit of a different strategy with the hard tires, and but it kind of was. You know, the first half or two thirds of the race was, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about, really, to be honest. And then it all started kicking off then with the, um, well, it started kind of becoming a bit more of an option that the, the Merck was going to play a part. And the boat, or boat Mercs, in fact, going to play a part with their different strategy going onto the hards and doing a one stop. Um, and then, of course, the virtual safety car and the safety car then for Bottas after that then kind of really kicked, opened the whole thing up. But... Yeah, it was a, it was kind of a race of two halves, kind of the first half being pretty boring, and then it all going pretty manic in the second half or final third maybe. But good race in the end, and lots to talk about and conspiracy theories and all that crap as well coming around. So it uh, it was interesting, plenty to, plenty to pick apart towards the end of it. Richie, yeah, it was a good race. Good, like Barry said, it's Monday and enough to start with. Um, big surprise was. Vettel pitting and coming out with a hard tyre, no one expected the pace the hard tyre was going to have. Um, Vettel started pumping in a few lap times. Now, Mercedes, I think that was their strategy all along anyway, but once they got loose and um, George out in the hard tyres, like, she's loose, was flying it, and, and like Barry was saying, for, for a period, I, yeah, I actually thought Lewis was going to win the rest. Um, but then virtual safety cars, conspiracies, um, it all sort of kicked off towards the end, and um, hard tire or no hard, I think Max was always going to win the race, in my view, anyway. I don't think we'll, we'll probably touch on it later on with Mercedes' strategy and what they should and shouldn't have done, but I don't think it would have mattered what they'd done. I don't, couldn't have seen anyone getting near Max on Sunday. What do you think, Barr? Yeah, I think I've seen some people talk about it saying, you know. Um, I suppose the Mercedes thing, the big mistake they made was that they, I don't think not not putting Hamilton onto the onto the softs. I don't think they had a choice there because Verstappen is just going to do the opposite of whatever Hamilton did. So they had no option there. Um, the big mistake was putting Russell onto the softs because that removed his rear gunner, Hamilton's rear gunner. Um, it was right for Russell, but wrong for their team, I think, to do that. Um, so. You know, I've seen it said that well, sure, Ham- Verstappen would have passed him anyway, or whatever. You don't know that. You see, the thing about it is, is you know, I've raced again. Look, Verstappen is quicker. There's no doubt about that. But I've raced against cars that you know should you, you should be faster, or drivers be faster. If you say, well, don't point passing him, he's going to pass you back. Like, but you don't know that until you try it. You know, and maybe getting ahead of him, right? Let's just play it out in the sliding doors moment. Suppose Russell was behind um, Hamilton. Verstappen could have got attacked from behind for, 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 for third place, which held him up for a few laps, which let Hamilton away. Da, 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 da. It's not, you know, it's not an exact science, this thing. It's not a time trial where they just see who's fastest. They introduced that level of jeopardy by pushing Max back into the pack. Anything could happen. Likelihood, clean start, and then it all wash out. But you don't know that. That's why you have to take every opportunity that's presented and hope for the best, um, which I just don't think they did by putting, by putting Russell in on the softs. They just removed... A massive variable there for for Verstappen, um, and then the second thing they did was Hamilton made an absolute mess of the restart in my book, um, by by going so early, 
and letting letting Verstappen have that toe uh, down the straight. I just can't get my head around why he would do that. You, you have a faster car in a straight line behind you, plus having a toe. You want to minimise the amount of time that you're under full power, not maximise it, and come out of, come through the last corner flat out. Plus, I heard that he hit the wrong PU this button on the steering wheel. Uh, Hamilton did, which meant he was harvesting or something instead of fully deploying his energy, which made him even more slow down the straight. So, a couple of big howlers for Mercedes, it has to be said. You know, would it have changed the result? Hard to know, but it would have given them a chance. And they took the chance away from themselves, more so than the result, I think. Now, you've just answered a question there, or answered a question I was going to ask or I was going to say there, Barry, in that. Yeah, keeping Russell as a rear gunner probably, yeah, would have been for the team and maybe to try to get Lewis a win probably was the thing they should have done. Um, I think Russell made a great call for himself to just try to get, get a, a decent podium position. He, he knew himself he was never going to win it. And what I was going to say is when you, when you said, you know, put Russell between Hamilton and Verstappen and try to hold him up, what I was going to say was like, I know Lewis made a cock up of the restart, but like Ham or Verstappen made awful shot work of Lewis, like awful shot work of him. But I didn't hear, I didn't know he had put his wrong setting on the steering or whatever, because he's just like, and like you said, Lewis's restart. She said they brought him to within 10 yards of the start finish line and then went. You know yeah. what I mean? And then back him up into turn one, back him right back into the pack and try go in. Like it's ridiculous what he done. Yeah, yeah. City, and I mean, I know that was an, there was the F2 race earlier that day, or maybe it was the day before. Something similar happened where the leader, <clears throat> Drogovic, I think, he was uh, he did exactly that, Richie. He, he he held them all the way till the start finish line and then went. And then there was a bit of a pile up behind. Um, and I know people were saying, oh, maybe Hamilton had that in his head. He didn't want to cause a pile up behind him. He did want to cause a pile up behind him. That's exactly what you'd want. Okay, it mightn't be the you know politically correct thing to say. But if you're leading the race and you cause a pile up behind you, not on purpose by doing like at the end of the day, the people who cause a pile up are the guys that crash into the someone back wherever, not the guy at the front. Um, but if you can maybe make that more likely, and you're leading the race and you got Verstappen behind you, well, that's only a bonus in my in my book, and it'll buy you another safety car and another two or three laps. And never know, maybe Verstappen gets caught up in that in that crash that may or may not happen. So. I don't think that's a reason not to do it, to be perfectly honest with you. I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you have a faster car behind you, you minimise the length of time that he's going to be on the power coming from you behind. Um, I don't know. It just it just, it just, just didn't didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You know, it's like, Richie, you know yourself, I've raced against cars with far more power than me. If I'm leading off a restart, I won't go until the last second, you know, or close to it. Um, because then they've only half of the length of straight to pull back at me instead of the whole length of it. So, you know, okay, a bit of a difference in Mondello and... Sanford and F1 car, but the same principles apply, and these guys are professional. And just surprised me. He just again a little bit of lack of racecraft, maybe from Hamilton. You know, just in the past, maybe you always had the faster car and you could just pull away on those restarts. But it worked from at the weekend, and that was a major contributing part of him not winning that race combined with Russell. I wonder with all his winning and all his success over the last few years. Do you think that is a case? Do you think he's his racecraft has suffered somewhat from like always being in front, basically? Like, I mean, that was a rookie mistake he made on the restart. Like, no one, as you say, for Stafford, car is animal quick in a straight line. You know, the last thing you want to be doing is giving him a run on you down the main straight. Like, 
I think it's that's not something that just should come natural to you. Like, like that should be in your train of thought as a driver, anyway. Yeah, I mean, if you spend so long out of that scrap, if you like, you know, if you're in, a, if you're if you're scrapping and trying to use every last bit of racecraft you can to make up for your car, you know, lack of performance or even a similarity of performance with those you're racing against. If you have a pace advantage in your pocket as Hamilton has had for the last number of years, you don't have to be as wildy. You don't have to be as risk-taking. You don't have to be as scrappy. Um, you know, he still has racecraft, obviously. You can forget that. But maybe it's just, you know, not as accessible at the surface as it might have been, you know, if, if he found himself having to scrap for all these decisions. And, you know, muscle memory and that sort of thing might come into it. I mean, even the start, he, he got very close to taking, I think it was Science out in the first corner. Um, yeah. He just came in too late in the brakes and a big wash of understeer and actually touched the Ferrari, I think. You know, a him, inches, yeah. yeah, a couple of inches the other way. That'd be two races in a row where he'd have taken either him or someone else out on the first lap, scrapping for position. So, you know, we've seen it with, we've seen him having a, you know, a few goals at Albon. We've seen it with Verstappen last year in Silverstone. He has definitely, you know, been the wrong side of a few of them, whether they be. 50-50s are not more than probably any other top driver in F1 at the moment. So it's, it's, I think it's a good question, Richie. Whether, what the answer is, I don't know. But it definitely, there's a possibility for sure that your theory is right there. Mm-hmm. Nice nice uh, to sit back, lads, and just listen to two experts uh, talk about it here rather than trying a few questions. But there's a, there's a collision I want to talk about. There's a couple of collisions I kind of want to talk about. And then there's a conspiracy theory, which you had mentioned at the very start there. Um, that I want to delve into as well. Um, and like always, I, I pulled together these headlines and we, ha- we have our quotes here. But I'll talk about science and Lonzo first in the pit lane because he feels that even though there was a collision and he caused it, that he would have hit a McLaren team member otherwise if he didn't water the pony a little bit. Was it harsh? Was it justified? Go on, Richie. I think, I think it was an unsafe release, to be honest with you. Um, I know the pit lane was manic at that time. And to be fair, the McLaren pit, it was very tight for science to get out. But like the guy that gives him the green light to go, like maybe he seen, he seen Alonso was that bit back to pit lane and thought, yeah, Carlos should get out here in plenty of time. But with Carlos having to jink and move and try to get out around the mechanics again, that happened. There was nearly contact, but like, I maybe a little harsh on reflection now. But um, you know, Alonso has a brake pedal as well. He sort of dramatised it by near enough running into him. Like, but um, I don't, I don't. Maybe it is a little bit harsh, but at the same time, it did look like an unsafe release at the time to me. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to come in on the Barry or they push on to no, Nico Rosberg's courts? And uh, no, I just generally agree with Richie. I think it was, I think it was def, it was an unsafe release. There was mitigating factors like the angle of to come out, the narrow pit lane, the alti style kicking in. But they're all kind of after the fact. It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, the other car Alonso had to, to, to break or make some maneuver. You know that makes it an unsafe release in my book. So, I think you know the pit lane didn't get narrow just for that pit stop. Everyone's aware of it. Just didn't take it into account. And so I think a, a fair, a little bit harsh. They didn't do it on purpose, but a fair penalty nonetheless. Right, I'm going to call Nico Rosberg here, um, as per the, the Sky Sports website. Uh, Bernardo keeps saying, no, no, we don't need to make any changes. Everything is going well. I mean, when is the day coming? It's not possible. 
Even Formula 2 teams or Formula 3 teams do a better job of their strategy in pit stops than Ferrari. You're in the pits and there's no tyre there. In a normal race, at some point, they really need to start making some changes. Beyond that, also, their car is just a little bit off the pace now. In the race especially, we saw it at Spa, we saw it again here. They're starting to lose out, so they need to make sure they keep developing that car in the right direction. One of the things that people often say is that Bonotto is a technician. So Sometimes you might, you might suggest that you need a joint leadership team of one being the technician and one being the business manager and people manager. Thoughts on that one, Barry Rabbit? I mean, it's hard to disagree, isn't it? I mean, like it's all—it's actually pretty factual stuff, you know. Uh, right down to the F3 and the F2 teams, maybe doing a better job. I mean, even to put the you know the cap on it, they—I seen on their socials the week leading up to it, so they're getting hammered about their strategy calls left, right, and center. And then they did this kind of behind-the-scenes thing on you know I presumed it on all their socials. I've probably seen on Instagram. I'd say where they had a like you know, meet the Ferrari team strategist. I mean, of all the people to put in the fur, you know, onto their social media, they've a thousand and something employees. They decide to use that. I mean, even their PR strategy is crap. Like, So, like, <laughs> it's just, I, I actually looked at it with that copy, right? There has to be some, uh, what do they call it? Uh, you know, it's a, 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 a satire type account. Like, yeah. Right? And yeah. No, it was Ferrari. There's like. Pa- a parody you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a parody. Yeah, and it was like, no, no, this is, we're, we're going to, we're going to pick the one guy that everyone is got in the crosshairs the strategy i'm sure it's not just one person but nonetheless they made it you know they put them out front and center in the middle of a strategy problem so it seems to be inherent in the whole in the whole thing right down to the pr department but um yeah it's just i mean three i see irvine was there at the at the race and uh the last time i remember ferrari bringing three wheels to a to a car in a pit stop he was sitting inside the car and he lost the 99 world championship over ultimately by a point so mm-hmm. you know he mightn't be invited anymore um, if if he's a ba- the bad luck um, mascot, but look, you can't, you know. Again, Bernardo saying there's no problem, there's no problem, there's a problem, and then and only, all you're doing is is adding to it by pretending there isn't. I, you know, he doesn't want to throw anyone under the bus or whatever. That's fair enough. And there's in the past, Ferrari might have done that. His, his strategy woke up with a horse's head or something in the bed beside him. That then they seem to be gone, and that's probably a good thing. But it's, <laughs> you know, there's a problem, lads. You know, just pretending there isn't doesn't want to make it go away. So they're going to have to do something. But I don't think it's a people thing. I said it before. I think touched on it. I think it's just inbred into Ferrari. There's just a bit of a fear culture there, and that's not going to go away overnight. Um, and they're not, you know, they're second guessing themselves and ass covering the whole time. But um, yeah, bringing three, three, three wheels to an F1 car is it's hard to fathom. Um, I'm sure, you know, someone didn't decide just not to bring the fourth wheel out it'll be a process that wasn't followed um or they brought the car in too quick or something but it all the net result is the same and it comes from the same place yeah richie i want to ask you about the sonoda incident right um and i'm going to ask you first even though i have the meat and drink of what happened i want to ask you what happened and then i'll go into the other theory um which came in he reported a problem with the rear of the car he was only after having a pit stop and he started reporting he thought he had a loose wheel or whatever way he was saying that the wheels weren't tight or whatever and well seemingly uh so he pulled over and um his engineer was looking over the data and in the meantime he had undone his belts in the car and he was getting ready to retire loosened his belts Richie. <laughs> yeah he, he undone <laughs> his belts in the car getting ready to get out and his engineer came across the radio and said stay going bring it back we don't see any issue. So according to Sonoda, then he 
slowly went back around into the pit box and they changed. Was it just? I think they just changed the rears and let him on again. And miraculously, his engineer was able to find the problem the second time they sent him out. So, um, yeah, that's that's like uh, there's, there's, there can't be any conspiracy after that. Straightforward. Well, what we should do then is probably put in um, Total Wolf's comments at this particular juncture. And he was asked if Orlewan's governing FIA should investigate the incident. He said, if we were fighting for a championship, that would be something that I would look close Yeah, What needs to be investigated for the safety of the drivers and everybody out there is that the driver stopped, unbuckled, did a full lap, came in. The problem wasn't solid. They put the seatbelts back on and he drove out and stopped the car again. That has probably changed the outcome of the race, which we maybe could have won. Uh, then he went on to add, we would have had a fair shot and the race planner said the wind was on. It would have been very close. Uh, yeah, and then Sonoda said, I thought there was an issue and a problem with the left rear tire, so I got told by the engineer to stop, but when, uh, but we didn't see any clear issue in the data. That is why we rejoined to get back to the pits to fit a new tire. But after that, we saw a clear issue in the data, so that is why we stopped. And asked what the failure was, Sonoda replied, I don't know. <laughs> so that, that leaves it at a very interesting one by just saying, I don't know. Um, does it no, open up think... something here, Barry? No, no, no. no. I think... I think it, I think what happened was he pulled out of pits. He felt something funny in the back, which was probably the diff gone because they said ultimately the, the diff was gone. Um, if he's driving slowly, the diff won't be working, and both wheels will turn the same speed. That's how they tell if the diff is gone. If the one wheel is spinning at the other, at a different speed, he 100% unbuckled his belts. I don't know anyone that would loosen their belts before the end taking them off. So, you know, that's you know he unbuckled his belts right and got back to the pits nice and slow. They have a way of checking that the wheels are tight. There's a there is a there is a sensor on the car that'll tell them it's tight or not. So that obviously said no, it's it is tight. But to be fair to Sonoda, if you just put new wheels on the car and your diff goes, it's gonna feel like you know something is wrong. It's you know you're just on wheels. That's the most logical thing. Um, I'd say what happened is he he burst the diff as he pulled out on the first pit stop. Then driving slowly won't show up the diff problem because you don't have a differential in the speed, which is the whole point of the diff because it's going slowly. Um, came in, swapped the tyres, and then when he pulled out the second time, he probably got a bit of wheel spin or something, and that showed on the data that the diff wasn't working, because you should have 80% of one and 20% of the other, he probably had 100 and zero. And he was all the way at the end of the pit lane when they told him to pull it, to stop. But he nowhere else to stop, but go onto the track and stop. If you stop in the pit lane, you red flag the whole race. So, um, I think it was fairly innocent, to be honest. I can see where people are coming from on it. Um, the conspiracy theory things, but there's the risk reward for Red Bull. Why would they bother? They're walking everything, championship race, the whole lot. Like, let's get them thrown out of the championship for nothing. I think it was, uh, I think people are just adding a bit too much salt to it. I think, ah, uh, Barry, that's not interesting. Helmut Marco was on the phone all the time this was going on, and <laughs> like, come on, Twitter. Hamilton was a tent up and Verstappen in qualifying, and Perez spins. Jesus Christ, it's all linked, it's all the one shot. Oh, you know yourself, Richie, how easy it is to spin a car on demand. Like, it's fucking probably one of the yeah. hardest things you'd ever do. Like, it's completely wired not to do it. Like, so, <laughs> although <laughs> LCPK Jr. did a good job in Singapore or whatever a few years back, so maybe, <laughs> but it is a pretty hard thing to do. Like, so no, I think it's uh, I think they're, they're, they're blowing that one out of proportion. You know, you look at it. <laughs> I think in the last couple of years, in general, conspiracy theories just gone through the roof. Ever since COVID, I know there's always been drive conspiracy theories. Drive oh, it's people who, I'm not being bad, it's people that don't know how to probably operate a steering wheel 
are the you know ones coming out you know the empty vessels and all that sort of thing like it's no never, never, no 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 what's somebody saying never 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 use never never use the excuse of conspiracy when incompetence fills the gap better like that's all that happened it's just incompetence they made a like that one that's it you know, I like that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna mark that one. That's that's our that's our clip for for this week. Um, if anyone has any real suggestions, actually, I don't mean ones that aren't genuine, like like you know, as if the boys aren't making genuine suggestions, but real suggestions for Instagram, as in the reels. They've been really fruitful the last few weeks. So, uh, we did a couple of those, and there's five or six thousand on a few mad mad really? stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. If anyone has really good ideas, worst pun ever. But anyway, send them on to us. Um. We are building a bit of a following, I have to say. Um, slowly but surely, uh, which is which is which is great to see, and um, yeah, it's, it's not bad for <laughs> not, not 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 bad not bad for the infancy years, is it? In fairness, uh, but anyway, let's get back to business, lads. There is one other suggestion that I came across uh, in preparing for the program that was up on Top Gear, and uh, maybe it's been suggested before as well. But obviously, we've had a lot of quibs and all about safety cars and virtual safety cars, and you know that. Peaks and troughs of, of what happens there, advantages being lost, and then other things, I suppose, being, being gained. And one of the suggestions there on topgear.com was to just have the, the VSC for a, a, the segment of the track where there's a problem, um, loosely in, in around where there's a problem. What, what, do you, what do you think of that in general? Is that a, a fruitful suggestion? It's just, it's that's sort of like. You could nearly do away with it altogether. Like, if you're going to have a virtual safety car for a section of track where the accident is, that, that's generally what a marshal uses these flags for. Like, I mean, you come to wave yellow, you automatically have to slow these racing past the incident. And then, you know, once you hit a green flag again, away you go again. So, I mean, is there a need for a virtual safety car, really? Like, it's either a real safety car or, or you control it with flags. I think they do that in Le Mans, don't they? They do... Uh, um... They, they they have the, they can do a virtual safety car in different sectors. The one's a different different thing though. It's a bit you know it's, it's what is it four minute lap or something. It's a very long lap, so um you know it's not going to work at somewhere like Monaco or the Hungaroring or somebody Austria the shorter laps. So um look I think it's fine if, if ESC can can take a box um you know there's never going to be a scenario whereby you completely i know people are saying oh a, a, a safety situation shouldn't out determine the outcome of the race but and you know maybe close the pit lane or something but that will have an impact too because someone will need to do a pit stop and they won't be able to do it and they could just turn around and then say oh well that that's influenced the race too so it's one of the things you know it's racing it's 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 not an exact science it's going to be things that are going to get thrown in that you're going to have to figure out on the fly and some will do it better than others some will be luckier than others but in the overall scheme of things it'll all wash out nine times out of ten so i don't think there's a whole lot needs to be changed you know but you're still going to have people moaning when it doesn't suit their particular driver or, or team or whatever and forgetting about the incident probably a week before where the exact opposite happened where it did suit them so it's yeah. just noise to be honest it's just noise I want to move on, lads, because uh, I know uh, we're all calling time this evening. Uh, driver standings first, and then predictions for Monza next weekend. Driver standings: uh, Max on three ten, Leclerc on two o one, Perez also on two o one, Russell on one eight eight, and Sainz on one seven five. Uh, let's have a little look at the uh, constructors to see how things are panned out there. Uh, so we have Red Bull on five one one, Ferrari three seven six, Mercedes three four six. Probably not worth chatting about too much after that. Uh, so this weekend, above all weekends, there needs to be a big renaissance, doesn't there? Ferrari-wise, we're saying it for every program, I suppose, but in particular, with, with, with the venue where it is and all as well, 
Um, Italy just being a Ferrari stronghold, obviously. So can they can they have a bit of a resurgence? Can this be the time? How much can you change in a week? I suppose is the question. Richie, I'll, I'll come to you on that. Um, I think they can. I think it's 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 not a strange one, but Ferrari seemed to show great one lap, great qualifying pace, um, seemed a great car to qualify. But when it comes to race pace, then and strategy, they, they just seem to fall down. Whereas Red Bull just seemed to have the whole package, qualifying, race pace, just the whole package. Red Bull seemed to have, and Mercedes have come on in leaps and bounds in the last few races. And Mercedes seem to have a good race car as to qualifying car. But I, yeah, this isn't, I think it will come down between Leclerc and Verstappen again for Paul. I think like they're, they're nearly, they stand out alone really and truly um, as regard last week's qualifying. Like, you know, they were, whatever they were, would be ahead of second and third or whatever. Um, I know Hamilton was on a flyer when the yellow flags came out, but still, Leclerc and Verstappen. I think that's what it's going to come down to. As far as I'd be aware in, in, in Italy, I obviously I hope it's Ferrari comes out on top, but um even when they do even when they do come out on top, Kevin, like it's, you're just waiting for them to make a mistake. You're just waiting like the drivers can only do so much. Like the driver drives the car and he does what he's asked to do, but you just even when they're leading, you're like they they come in for a pit stop and you hold your breath. Like it's like it's like watching fucking us defend years ago. Like, oh, it gets down anywhere near the goal. You're like, oh, it's definitely something's going to go wrong here. Like, you know? So it's it's like that. They can do everything right in qualifying, but you're still like, you're still just waiting for this mistake to happen in a pit stop or strategy. Or, and until Ferrari straightened out, like, you know, like my prediction for Paul is I, I'll go with Leclerc. They don't want to be Leclerc with our staff and I think. Okay. And Max to win on the day. Ah, Max to win in the day. Yeah, his best car, best package. Mm-hmm. Barry's battery's at the shit in itself, and I kind of knew that was going to happen because he gave me a heads up. So <laughs> we're all trying to get his prediction. Um, if Barry was still here, I'd be saying enjoy the holiday. And thanks very much, Barry, for taking uh, some time out of it to chat to us here this evening on uh, the Irish F1 show. We're, we're having a good crack with this, in fairness, Richie. Um, it's been very good so far. And uh, we've had a good bit of season done and dusted. Uh, we've big, big plans. I think we can push on with this. And... Um, you know, after finding myself a little bit more time by default over the last few weeks that we can try and do it as well. So, uh, you know, time time has been my biggest problem with, with the whole thing. Well, I think we've, we've not done too bad. But all I can say, again, just to reiterate, is very best luck to you this weekend. I hope you get the job done. And, um, you know, look after yourself. And thanks for joining me again. All right. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, thanks a million. And thanks a million to PFT Travel and Rapco for uh, coming on board with us again. Uh, their support very much appreciated if you like what we're doing by the way you can support our efforts for the price of a coffee just a couple of quid there's a, a link in the description underneath the post to go on on social media it's not compulsory but it does help in keeping the whole show on the road until after next weekend time and date to be confirmed i suppose with the next episode but we might try push for something night we want leave it to choose it it's completely my fault that it's Tuesday this time incidentally as you mentioned that picnic got in the way earlier but won't be as late as Tuesday next time. We'll just see how it pans out. Maybe Richie Carney will be uh, on the sauce there uh, celebrating a victory. Um, so uh, we might be able to do a Sunday. Or maybe we will do a Sunday. We could do it live from the garrison or wherever Richie's going to celebrate. If things go to form, a lot of work to be done. Best luck to Richie again. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Until next time, take care. <laughs>